0: Big decisions, paths followed, choices made. This is Connections, Conversations about Life and Work. I'm your host, Jim Allen. Katherine Harrison, welcome.
1: Nice to see you, Jim.
0: Um, You struck a nerve with a post uh, that you made on LinkedIn, maybe elsewhere as well, and I wanted to get you down here to explain yourself and, and talk about it. It was about ageism in society, in the workplace, and in culture. So, what made you? What made you uh, write this?
1: Well, as we were just talking about uh, a few minutes ago, when we were setting up, um, we're both uh, of a certain age, let's say, um, and uh, it, it's been interesting through preceding the pandemic, but certainly through the pandemic. I think there's been a lot of um, reflection on on life and people have been myself included have been um thinking about where they are in life and what really matters and various perspectives at least that's that's my jam I mean I'm kind of a proponent of self-reflection and um and as you articulated and noticed, I look different than I did a couple of years ago because through the pandemic, I decided, you know what, screw the roots. I'm just gonna, you know, cut off all my hair and start over and see what happens.
0: Well, I wasn't gonna talk about your hair, but you brought <laughs> you brought it up.
1: But but that was kind of the 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 precedent for it because in doing that the number of people who commented, oh my gosh, I could never do that. That's so brave. I can't imagine, you know, you're showing your silver roots. And, and it, it made me think, wow, it speaks to the ageism that we have, certainly for women, but I think it's rampant. So the more I actually talked to people in general about you know, through my work life uh, and speaking about the book that I wrote, Uh, in speaking about experiences around human-centered leadership and human-centered practices in the workplace, regardless of where you work, this notion of ageism kept bubbling up. And I would say, at first, it is often towards older folks. But certainly, I hear it a lot, I'm sure you do, towards younger folks too, right? This sort of bias attitude towards whoever's not in your demographic. I had just been thinking about that. I guess something triggered me a couple of weeks ago to write that little something post. Something bad happened to you? It wasn't something bad. It was something I guess I noticed somewhere. And um, that's usually how I you know, decide to write a post. Uh, I, I think I see something, hear something, converse with someone about something, and I go, oh. And, and also, um, being 55, uh, I remember the—perhaps you do too— when I was growing up, there was an ad for Freedom 55. You retire mm-hmm. at 55. And I certainly don't feel like I'm that 55. Um, but it was a nice, it was a nice uh, number to really reflect back, you know, the 30 years before, tw- 25, 30 years hence, hopefully, 85. And that just kind of set up that whole post. So yeah. here's
0: a quote from your post. Uh, I've heard from women many years my junior who are mortified... To have colleagues or fans or dating prospects know their age. They fear it would limit their professional and social opportunities. Perhaps it would. Mm-hmm. So that, you believe that? Yeah. That's just the reality out there? Uh,
1: that is the um, that is certainly uh, the reality for many people. Not all. Um, but the, yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, surprisingly... Uh, but but not surprisingly, because I've heard and, and from men too. I've heard in certain industries, in certain corporations, you know, if you hit forty, you're kind of over the hill, and they're looking for fresh new ideas. Um, Do you have to
0: disclose your age at all times, though, no. or is it just? I guess it's just a general look that people they they know you're not sixteen, and they know. Yeah,
1: I think that's a good question. So it's not about formally or necessarily. Um, proactively disclosing your age, so you don't have to disclose your age. I I think the the question becomes, if it comes up, how uncomfortable are you in being honest about it? Right. I've been privy to many conversations where, certainly with women, who will say, well, "I would never tell people how old I am." Right. Right. What a, what a what a rude question to ask, and I kind of think, well, who cares?
0: Well, my mom lied about her age, I think, and it was fuzzy to me when she was really born. But I th- you know, it was for workplace reasons, yeah. I think, and, and there's a certain amount of vanity, I suppose, too. Sure. Uh, back in the day, a friend of mine, uh, his mother died a few years ago at age 70, and when she died, he found out she was actually 80. Now he's in his 40s; uh, he's probably in his 50s when this happens. I went to school with him. That's mind-blowing to me. Wow. Lies to the whole family. So top yeah. that with you. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, that just that just goes to speak to the power of of the ageism that we're talking about. Our whole right?
0: Life. How do you keep that secret your whole life? I don't know.
1: You know, that's probably it. Was probably a painful, a painful journey. Yeah. So,
0: what were you doing when you were twenty, or, <laughs> or what were you doing when you were like thirty?
1: Well, it's two two totally different questions. Uh, 20, I was still in university and, uh, cause back in the day we had grade 13. So I had grade 13, then I took uh, a year off and then I went to university. And so when I was 20, I was still in university. And when I was 30, I had already started my career. I started my career right out of university and, uh, was working in the pharmaceutical industry, um, got married at 30. Uh, bought a house at thirty, um, so you know, very even even in that ten year span, uh, covered quite a bit of ground.
0: Would you want to be sixteen again? Would you want to be twenty six again? Nope. Why? Why do you think?
1: I I actually think every age has a has an inherent value to it, um, and a perspective. I really like the wisdom that comes with. Um, moving down the track a little bit more. There are certainly pros and cons, the upsides of being younger. I didn't have the arthritis back then. <laughs> uh, I could stay up later and um, do some of those things, but, but I don't, I certainly wouldn't want to go back and, and be those ages again. I think there's a real, hopefully, and f- I, I certainly can say this about myself, that if cultivated, there is a real sense of self that doesn't really develop until you're in your middle age. You know, when you've been through some real life stuff, um, when you've been through loss, when you have been through uh, the ups and downs, the successes and failures. um, Some For me, big life experiences like being a parent and raising a person to adulthood Um, being in different relationships, whether they be family, friendships, work, uh, romantic, whatever, that you've been through enough of that to hopefully have a stronger sense of self and wisdom. And to me, that's so valuable. So I I love this age.
0: So I have a confession to make. (laughs) I read your book, (laughs) and I really liked it. So it's three colors, 12 notes. So Tell me about the Yoko Ono anecdote that's right at the very beginning Mm. of the book. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. You wrote it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Tell me about (laughs) the Yoko Yoko Ono anecdote. Yeah. Right at the
1: beginning. And and it's a a Yoko John Lennon anecdote um, that the, as the story goes, I mean, we can't validate this because we weren't there, but as the story goes, so John and Yoko had met each other a couple of times before they clicked and um, you know, John fell in love, I guess. Um, and the, as the story goes, it wasn't until he was at a show of hers and and she was a performance artist um, that he went to one of the exhibits, which was this tall stepladder, and you were to climb the stepladder and on the top of the stepladder was a magnifying glass and the direction was just lift up the magnifying glass and look at the word on the ceiling, which was the word was yes. And, and the story goes that he said, in that moment, I fell in love with the artist. And so that story to me, being a huge Beatles fan and, and Lennon fan, just, just really set such a tone about why that was so powerful to him. And it's so powerful to me, too. Um, And as I write in the book, that yes, really is a catalyst towards, you know, opportunity and adventure and learning and trying and progressing down that track of life.
0: Yeah. So when, when I read that at the beginning of the book, we'd already spoken and set up this interview and I said to myself, Hey, wait a minute. She said yes to me too. I mean, do you, so do you say yes to everything and everybody? No, no? I don't. You just said no, so.
1: Right. There you go. So you know what? That's really interesting. Um, I, do, uh, I do tend to fall on the yes side. Right. Before I say no.
0: It's easy to say no to everything.
1: It's right. easy to say no. Um, I'm an activator by nature. I'm a you know, insatiably curious person by nature. And I think that leans towards yes, which is, oh, that's interesting. However, I have also learned, again, with age and wisdom, um, that the yeses have to be aligned with my values and what I really want to do and achieve. And so I'm very quick to a no if those alignments aren't there.
0: So here's a quote from your book. Some of the most life-changing and direction-changing events have happened in my life simply by saying yes to an opportunity, and that triggered a cascade of experiences that helped shape my life. So yes is a, is a mantra, almost. Yeah. Yeah. And you've I done mean, some so meditation in your life and things like that. Sure. It's, yeah.
1: And I would also say well, no. It's very
0: striking that it's at at the beginning of the book. It's like right at the beginning of the book. Right. right? So
1: right. I think. I think. So yes is for sure. Um, an open door towards various events, right? It's like, you know, the why in the road, the fork in the road. So, but so could no be. If we think about it retrospectively, we can always go back and say, I said yes, and then this happened, and this happened, and this happened. If I had said no, those following things wouldn't have happened, but we don't know what would have happened with the no. Who knows, right? Right. but yes, many of the opportunities that I have had to grow as a person, whether it be through travel or through my artistic pursuits or through my um, professional pursuits, have happened because I thought, yeah, let's just see. I can always no, say no later. Or why not? Why, why not? not? Exactly.
0: So on page 101 uh, is the only specific mention of age you make in the book, I think, and, Um this was now, this was in a reference to a discussion of sexism in the workplace. But, quote, the older I get, the less tolerant I am of bullshit from individuals, institutions, systems, but also myself.
1: Yes. So I've, I've always had a strong uh, BS radar. I think my tolerance for putting up with it was greater when I was younger for a variety of reasons um you know uh culturally uh, uh financially um and as i get older and i'm in a different age and stage uh that tolerance uh, as i mentioned wanes even even more so so i am very explicitly interested in authenticity in honesty in values-based behaviors. in um, And and so you can't have BS if those things are in place. Yeah. And so my my tolerance towards those are far less than they used to be.
0: Now, we haven't talked about it exactly in this way, but these days you operate... As as like a, a business consultant, mm-hmm. like communications and that sort of thing within a. So explain that what you do to me.
1: So so I do um, a few different things. Uh, Purple Voodoo is a consulting agency that I have run for nine, eight, nine years now, and our primary focus is around. Um, performance and behavior change explicitly towards human-centered leadership and human-centered practices within organizations. And so, um, yeah, sometimes that looks like helping them communicate better. You mentioned communications. Uh, We do a lot of work around human-centered leadership development. Uh, We do a lot of work about um, how do the humans in an organization work as effectively together? How do you leverage the, the whole human being in your organization, individually and collectively? Uh, so I work as a consultant, as a coach, as an advisor, as a mentor, as a guide um, with organizations or individuals who reach out looking for support in those areas.
0: Now, in your book, it's quite clear that you love music and you love playing music. Yep. Um, if you could go back... And you know, receive a break or two. Would you have preferred to become like a full time professional musician?
1: Yeah, hard to say.
0: Um, you talk about it a lot. Short like a answer: lot of music.
1: short answer would be yes. So, I I, I still I consider myself um, I'm not a full time anything, but right. I still consider myself very actively in the music world. I still right. write. I still record. I still perform, and. Um, so it's not something that I parked and, you know, wistfully look back on. Right. However, that's a fork in the road. Um, that's one thing that if things were different, primarily me, it would have been super cool to have had that opportunity to pursue it. I didn't have the self-confidence, quite frankly, Jim, to even think about pursuing that when I was younger. First of all, I didn't really start even playing and 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 writing and and singing until I was in my twenties. Um, and at that time, I had already started a career, and so it it seemed that I would have to give up one to to get the other. But yeah, I mean, that's one thing I look back and go, that that would have been cool, you know. <laughs> and then you know, we circle back around ageism. This is a beautiful connective tissue here because, um. I am a songwriter, performer, recording artist. Uh, I'm 55. It's very interesting that people aren't coming up to me saying, "Hey, you've got some new stuff. Like, we want to promote this." Because really, it's like, yeah, but you got to promote the young folks. You know, yeah. the 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 older folks get promoted when they they're the legacy favorites. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Classic rock. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so you're a Beatles fan. I sure am. As am I.
1: Did you watch Get Back? I did. I was going to. That was one of my Whoa, questions. We just, could do
0: a whole podcast just about that. I was trying to get someone I know to. He was against it, and I was for. You know, how can you be against it? Get Back? I yeah. was going to ask you about that, but this is what I learned we'll from have your to book. Do another one. This is what I learned from your book. You and Paul McCartney have something in common, even though you're a John Lennon fan.
1: Oh no, I'm an all of them fan.
0: What do you know? What you and Paul McCartney have in common?
1: Um,
0: you wrote it in the book. You don't even realize it.
1: I wrote it in the book, and I don't even realize. It.
0: <laughs> the bass player quit, and you had to, oh, you were forced okay. to pick up the bass and learn, to, and to play it right. as was Paul.
1: That's right. And oh my goodness, you. Jim! So thank you, that you for that gift.
0: That's what I. That's the main thing I that's got. That's going to be my book. new
1: handle forever. Did you <laughs> know that Paul and I are basically the same person? <laughs> are you left-handed? <laughs> no. Okay. Unfortunately, well no. And the hair is different. I do too, have a so. great picture of me. Um, Playing uh, that, that that not that Hoffner, but a Hoffner, same vintage that he played. A friend of mine um, had one of those. And I was just like a kid with a pony. I was like, oh my goodness.
0: So if Paul went on tour, would you, uh, I saw him in 1989. He was 47.
1: He's brilliant.
0: Would you go, would you, if, if he was, he's going on tour. I don't think he's coming around here, but yeah. uh, would you go see him?
1: Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Good answer, because
0: I thought if you said no, I would have said why, <laughs> because is he too old? Is no. that, Is that why? No,
1: and in fact, I haven't seen him, uh, but I have many friends who have in whenever the last time he was here, which was probably only five or six years ago, mm-hmm. maybe seven years ago, so in his 70s, and they said, guy's just nailing it. He's in, he's incredible. In
0: 80, in 89, I saw him at the Skydome, and, and you know, you think he's old because he's older than me. Yeah. yeah. But, and it was, it was, uh, unbelievable because they sound, he sounded great. And I, I don't know if I want to see him anymore, to be honest, because his voice is just, he can't be. He was such a good singer, such a great. Did you singer.
1: did you see that McCartney one two three? Yes. Oh, wasn't that fantastic I, I'm
0: too? I am. I am. You've met a bigger fan. A Beatle yeah. fan. I, there's an endless uh, appetite for. There's there's t- like twenty or thirty podcasts just about the Beatles yeah. and kind of obsessing about uh, 1969 in particular because of the yes. Get Back thing. So, what did you think of Get Back?
1: I loved it. What did you like? About As a songwriter. Anytime I get to see people writing songs, particularly collaboratively together, love it. Beatles, get out of here. Come on. Amazing. Also, um, I mean, I'm a huge Beatles fan. So being able to see them as human beings um, playing, creating, just living in this very um, sort of confined space, which is what they were doing, right? We would have this four weeks, whatever. We have to write these songs, prepare to do this thing, wherever we're going to do it. Who knows? To me, that was just such a gift. I thought that um, I thought that uh, Peter Jackson did an incredible job. I can't imagine, you know, whatever, hundreds and hundreds of hours to 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 distill it into those. I, I just thought it was. I, I just want to run it in the background in my house all the yeah. time and just have them chatting. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, <laughs> you know?
0: I heard this sort of, sort of like you're just hanging out. So, true or false? Would you have written this book when you were 26? No, you couldn't have. No, because it's it was it's kind of the books is it's about your entire life. It's as you say at some point it's a nonlinear retelling of certain parts of your. To, to date. To
1: date. Yeah. Hopefully my life goes on for a yeah, long longer. Yeah, <laughs> volume two to come.
0: Yeah. Maybe there'll be more colors and more yeah. notes. Or...
1: I wrote it in a way that it would be accessible for people to read in a relatively short period of time. Right? Right. You can, first of all, it's structured in a way that you can read it, set it down. You don't have to read it in order. You can pick it up, whatever. But also if you sat down, you could probably read it in an hour and a half.
0: So I was reading this in a Starbucks Oh. With my headphones, and I started listening to Jeff Buckley. Oh,
1: you're kidding!
0: And, but I knew who Jeff Buckley was. Wow. that's the different thing. I knew who Jeff Buckley was. So have did you listened
1: not, to Grace the whole record?
0: I yeah. Well, you said listen to it three times, so <laughs> I I just do. I'm I'm hypnotized now by you. So I just uh, I yes. I mean, it's in the I've in the background. I have nothing but time. So I, it, it's beautiful. Yes, it's
1: beautiful. And yes. I, as you read, you know, I I saw him live before I. The first experience of of him and his band was live, not a record that I then knew the songs and went to see them live. So imagine like all of those songs, really so diverse and just so amazingly executed, just coming at you live. It was just fantastic.
0: Tell me about Over the Bridge, because it kind of brings different things together, right?
1: Yeah. So, Over the Bridge is a nonprofit uh, organization that helps people in the music industry uh, come together uh, and find community, mostly through peer support, um, uh, when they're having mental health or addiction recovery uh, challenges. And I met uh, Ace, who was the founder um, and leader of Over the Bridge. A number of years ago, through mutual friends in New York City, and so I reached out just to provide, um, at being both in business and in the music industry, reached out just to provide support, strategic advisory, whatever I could do to help him out. And then uh, a year and a bit ago, um, there was a changing of the guard, and I became the the chair of the board uh, there. And so um, we continue to try to cultivate awareness around the stigma around mental health and addiction um, at large, but certainly specifically in the music industry and how difficult it is in general, and certainly how difficult it has been through the pandemic for people in the music industry. Not just musicians, but people you know behind the stage, front of stage, uh, all the crew, bus drivers, caterers, the fact that many musicians supplement their income by working in bars and restaurants. Hey, they were all closed too. So there was a real additive um, stress and pressure on folks. And one of the toughest things to do is to reach out and connect. And one of the most important things that you can do to support your mental health um, and or addiction recovery, if that's um, something that you're struggling with is to Find and be part of a community who really understands, and so that's what we do.
0: Two years is a long time yeah. for for everyone at this point. So, I mean, you see it in every walk of life. So, absolutely. So, you do a lot of things. You're a consultant, you're an author, musician. You help out musicians with mental health issues. Um I mean, you're you're out there. Yeah. Um Is that is that the formula to? being successful or happy in in the latter parts of a career. I mean, it's like you're diversified. It's like, is it like investing? You just <laughs> spread yourself out and, <laughs> and uh, does that make any sense?
1: It makes a ton of sense. Um, it, you know, it, it makes sense for me and it works for me. And I think the important thing, Jim, is for everyone to figure out what works best for, uh, for him or her, which is um, that, yeah, for me, uh, Diversification in my life works best i don't I don't thrive in a rigidly fixed environment or a rigidly fixed role. I don't like to define myself by one or the other as you may recall in the book. I think I wrote this. I found it difficult when I was in the corporate world to just be the corporate type and and not be authentically my artistic musician self. Likewise, in the musician world, I found it difficult that I had to pretend I wasn't, you know, a strategic um, organizational expert. That, that being this corporate person was also, you know, there's a lot of bias, you know, us versus them. So for me, I find it, I find it necessary for me to follow the thread of interest or curiosity. And because I am multifaceted, although I believe everyone is multifaceted, um, I like to ensure that I invest some time and energy in all of those things that uh, are meaningful to me. Again, it goes back to values, and it goes back to the fact that until I got to this age and stage, I wasn't always really clear about what those things were and why or how, um, you know, I needed to, to spend time nurturing them. Also, I'm at a different stage where, you know, thankfully my my son is doing great. He's an adult now. So I'm not in the throes of raising kids and that that, that comes with a whole bunch of different dynamics and pressures. But I think it requires everyone to to find out what works best for them because what works for me won't necessarily work for others. But I do like being involved in a lot of stuff. (laughs) And I get more involved because I say yes, usually.
0: (laughs) So Catherine, thank you uh, Thank and, uh, you, Jim. great book. I rec- do recommend it to people. So uh, Thank you. But thanks for coming.
1: Thank you. I'm glad I said yes. Here we are.
0: It works out. Yeah. This yes is good.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Jim.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment or if you want to be on the show, send me an email at connectionsvideopod at gmail.com and please subscribe.